0: This is Performance Delivered, Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, Insider Secrets for Digital Marketing Success Podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how to build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. Today, we're going to talk about growing a business organically. Here to speak with me about the topic is Eric Benholtz, who is the founder and creative director of Beardbrand, a bootstrap men's grooming company based in Texas. Beardbrand has been able to grow organically through its massive community of followers on YouTube, Instagram, and their blog. The growth comes from a brand-focused approach to business with everything tying back to the mission to make men look and feel awesome. Eric, great to have you on the show. Thanks, man. The pleasure is all mine. Looking forward to our chat. Eric, you know, I already gave a little intro to to your background, but tell listeners more about you. How did yep. you end up founding Beard Brand and, and what did you do before that?
1: Yeah, so uh, before my life as uh, the founder of Beard Brand, I was pretty much like a journeyman sales guy. So for about 10 years out of college, I worked in various sales roles, kind of culminating as a financial advisor at a big bank. And it was that job that They really wanted you to look a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way, where I just felt like I was kind of living this lie. I was like putting on this mask every single day when I went to work. So I quit working there and I started growing up my beard. I actually tried to start up like this graphic design business. And this is 2011. And at the time, not a lot of people in the professional environment were wearing facial hair. So I was People calling me grizzly adams or zz top or duck dynasty and these are all cool dudes but they're just not me like i'm like an entrepreneur i'm a designer like i don't really identify with with those other type of stereo, bearded stereotypes so i ended up like attending this event where i met other bearded guys i met other entrepreneurs businessmen lawyers you know doctors uh entrepreneurs even like a, a minister who are rocking facial hair and I realized there's this whole community of people that didn't fit the traditional stereotype of what a bearded guy was. And I wanted to unite this community and I wanted to give them the tools that they needed to feel confident about rocking a beard uh, in environments that traditionally weren't really favorable to beards. So that's where I got the idea for Beard Brand as a company to kind of unite the community and we started calling people in the community Urban Beardsmen. So there was this kind of rather than your outdoorsman or your musician or your, you know, kind of your, your vagabond. Uh, we now have the Urban beardsman. And uh, so it started with a Tumblr page and a YouTube channel and really just kind of talking about my passions. And eventually I was able to bring on my business partners, uh, Lindsay and Jeremy and turn a passion project into a business. And we've just been uh, bootstrapped, uh, which to me means no outside money and it means no debt. So we're debt free, uh, investor free, and we've just been growing through uh, our profits and just kind of grinding and working hard and trying to improve every day.
0: That's great. Um, when, when I read up on, on brand in preparation for this podcast, i read that you guys went on to shark tank how did that how did that help the business in getting such a publicity from the show
1: yeah uh, shark tank was a, a great experience i was back in 2014 season 6 for for shark tank for anyone who hasn't seen the episode yet at the time we were we were really doing well growing organically and we had a, a really good story to tell as one of the first Beard Care Companies. Uh, I, in the market, really, we, we were the, the company that created an entirely new industry. Uh, we pitched our company to the show, and we kind of went through all the paperwork, and we were fortunate enough to get selected. No spoilers, but we, we gave our pitch. Or I should say, here, here are the spoilers. I mean, you're, you're five years later, so you haven't seen it by now. But anyway, spoilers. No one, uh, no one made an offer, uh, but we were able to tell our story on national TV, which was really great for the brand. And, and not only like tell our story, but we also prevented our competitors from getting on the show by being that company uh, that was on the show. So uh, the day of the show was amazing. I was watching our Google Analytics and we had like 7,000 simultaneous visitors to our website when our spot was airing. And it was just like every second it would go up by like 200 or 500 people. And it was just really serene. Uh, really surreal uh, to, to be able to see that. In fact, I think I did a, a screen recording, and put it up on my my personal YouTube channel.
0: Did that? Did that help to to increase sales for a longer period of time? Usually, you know, when you run ads, TV ads, you always see spikes. Not that this is a TV ad, but just as a comparison, so you get a big exposure on on national television. A lot of people coming to the site. I assume you got a good amount of sales out of that, but. Were those also repeat customers that came from from that activity?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we've continued to see growth since being on on Shark Tank. So it was really good exposure. I, I think, you know, if you if you're a regular viewer of the show, you kind of have this impression that if you appear on Shark Tank, then all of a sudden, you know, you've made it and you never have to work again and you've got this golden ticket to success. It's not entirely true. You know, it is a nice boost and it gives you a lot of publicity. But it's not, you know, this this golden ticket to business. You still have to work hard at business. You still have to serve your customers. You still have to make great products. You still have to have profitability in your business. And you you'll see, like, you know, the shows. What, like, I don't even know how many seasons in there they are at the time. But there's plenty of companies that have been on the show that are now out of business. So it's a a great thing to have, but it's not something that that uh, automatically makes your business great.
0: So going back to the beginning of uh, Beard brand, you obviously said that you founded a company from kind of a passion project because you identified that there are a lot of people out there that are not kind of the hardcore rockers and therefore they have beards, but it's like the guy next to you, so to speak. What were the hurdles in the beginning that you guys had to overcome, especially being a bootstrap business?
1: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I think uh, every other entrepreneur can relate but like every day uh, you know new problems are coming into your business in fact I like to say like you know like business is just simply a series of problems that you're trying to solve and then a business will grow or or go out of business or be sold at the point where it can no longer solve the problems it's facing for me in those early days you know like we didn't have millions of dollars in the bank so Trying to figure out ways to grow without all that money uh, was pretty challenging. Uh, So we really leaned heavily on organic uh, sources to get the word out. And then also, like, this was my first business. Like, I've never built a a successful business before. Like, I, I I didn't know how to hire people. I didn't know how to build, you know, SOPs or standard operating procedures. I didn't know how you know, to vet vendors and make sure that they're going to to do the things that we asked of them. So there were just, I mean, every single day was a learning lesson on on how to build a a successful business. But, you know, we're just so passionate about the product and our customers and uh, the relationships that I have with my business partners. And of course, the team that we work with that it's fun. You know, it's fun to solve these problems and fun to wake up and, and try to do something different.
0: You mentioned earlier and just a second ago too that you have two business partners. Do they complement the knowledge, the background that you have? And if so, what areas do they focus on? Um and, and what do you focus on? And is that the mix that you suggest for other people thinking about founding company or that who already have found a company and are looking for individuals to strengthen their founding team?
1: Yeah, if I personally would have absolutely zero success at all in my life if it weren't for my two business partners. I love having my business partners. Um, Whenever I'm kind of like in a dark space and, you know, like think the world's crashing in, they're usually at a better place and they can kind of help pull me out and kind of vice versa. If they're struggling, I can kind of help give them positive outlook on life. And we've got a really good situation in the sense that Um, Two of the partners, me and Lindsey, we're in the day-to-day. And then we have a third business partner who's outside of the business. So he's kind of, quote-unquote, sits on our board of directors and uh, will join us in our quarterly owners meeting. But he's not kind of really wrapped into the details of the business, which really gives us a really nice outside perspective as to what's going on and, and maybe solve some issues that, that we can't see, Lindsay and I can't see because we're too far into the weeds. Now, I know a lot of people have issues with business partners. And I think probably a lot of that stems from the fact that they're looking for business partners who will, quote unquote, complement their skill set. Like you get the the sales guy and then you get the engineer or you get the ops person and you get the, the sales person. Lindsay, Jeremy and I, were. Essentially, three of the exact same people, we're, and I think that's what's made our relationship successful. In the sense that we have the same philosophies in life, which means we have the same core values for the business. Which means we're looking to solve problems in a similar way. So we don't have a lot of uh, conflict among ourselves, and then you know operationally or or kind of at a detail level. I handle more of the marketing side of things and Lindsay handles more of the operational sides of things, but we're really, you know, really pretty similar people. Did that in
0: the beginning led to that certain areas of a business you guys had to start learning or had a very steep learning curve in order to catch up on things? You mentioned a second ago, you didn't really know how to vet vendors, for example.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think in our business, uh, the nice thing about e-commerce and a product-based business is that you, you really don't need too much technical knowledge or background experience. It's something that you can really learn on the fly by listening to like podcasts like this and talking to other successful entrepreneurs and seeing what other companies are doing publicly. You can just really kind of seek out and implement that into your business. So all it takes is a really a strong desire to learn. And being okay with not knowing everything. Now, uh, I kind of have that background experience on web design, on SEO, on uh, content marketing. So it was only natural that I I went in there. And then Lindsay, you know, she's she's a successful business owner before Beardbrand. And um, I think she's probably like the best negotiator I've ever met in my entire life. And she also... um, is more of like a salesperson, and what she's really learned over the years is is how to to handle the operational aspect and and implement you know best practices for our company on the operational side of things. You know her she's got the operations just rolling on all or running on all eight cylinders, and nothing's ever out of stock, and products are always there. And I, I'm probably the weak link here when it comes to to the to the stuff going on at Brand. You mentioned that,
0: you know, your bootstrap business, you, you didn't really have a millions of dollars in a bank account. And that from the first day onwards, you had to kind of grow organically. But in order to grow organically successfully, you know, you you, you got to build a brand and you need to tell a story to set yourself up or the business up for success. How did you, Lindsay, and you approach that? How did you build the brand and 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 crafted a story that resonated with your target audience?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think the thing that's different about us at Beardbrand is going back to what I said earlier, like Beardbrand to a certain degree is an extension of myself. It's a passion project. It's something that I love doing. So when I talk about something, when I, I express myself, it's because I love it. And I think a lot of people really resonated with with my passion for for mid's grooming, my passion for self investment, and they just kind of gravitated to it. We also love our customers. Like personally, I'm not much of a consumer. I don't like to buy a lot of things. But when I do buy things, I want it to be right, and I want the experience to be right. I want people to email me back quickly. I want you know the the product to be to perform excellently. And that's the way we're building beard brand, like we have, in my opinion, the best products on the marketplace to to do what they do in my opinion, we have the best customer service in the marketplace, like even better than you know established brands. We offer an experience that you're not going to get from not just vendors in our space but but vendors across the web like. Our unboxing experience and, and the, the little touches of details that we put into every order, that's really hard to do. But it's something we really care about. And we really want our customers to have a great experience because our, our goal is not to to grow the company super fast and then to, to sell it off to you know Procter & Gamble or whatever. Our goal is to, to serve our customers and, and to make the world better and to improve our lives of our customers. So when that's our focus we're able to to do things that other companies want to do because they're not quote unquote profitable. And subsequently you end up with a really unique experience that our customers aren't getting anywhere else and, and keeps them coming back and buying more.
0: So you mentioned those small things that that kind of make a difference from a customer service perspective. Were those things that you implemented um, and that you that you kind of used from the get go or are those things that that you basically develop over time You sort of response on certain things and then decide you know what let's let's go another step or I've seen this with another brand why don't we do that because that seems to work really well how did you how did you come up with those small things that from your perspective uh, make the difference
1: yeah a big thing that is usually at the back of my head is what can we do that Amazon can't do so in the early days. When you're a company of one person or, you know, in our case, like two people, three people, there's, you you know, we're never going to be able to send out the same day to across the world and get there, you know, like the same day. Like that's not going to be a value add that we're going to be successful at. But what can we do? You know, like Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos isn't going to be able to interact with, with all of his customers whereas us we can start to develop those relationships with our customers because we're a small company so we really put ourselves out there and we told our story and i was handling customer service you know i was interacting with people on twitter i was interacting with our fans on youtube and that's where you start to to build a relationship where it's like these guys weren't buying from some online brand who was who were utilizing whatever hot marketing efforts there are they're buying from their friend, and they are my friends. Like a lot of, a lot of the people who I've met through this company, I still stay in touch with and I follow them on Instagram and I've watched them grow and become better men and you know grow their families. and uh, it's just been an amazing experience. And then of course, obviously that's not scalable. as our company grown, I can't, I can't talk to, to every single customer or else I want to be able to do anything else. I want to be able to eat lunch, you know. So, you try to figure out what are the things that we can offer uh, that, again, isn't something that Amazon's going to do. So, one thing that I did recently is I wrote this little booklet called The Book of Reminders. And this nine little reminders that I, I give myself on a regular basis to when I'm facing adversity. And uh, we slide these in every single order. Now, these books aren't cheap to print, they're expensive, they cost a lot of money. Um, but it is something that, you know, be, because we believe and and keep on growing, because we believe that that men can grow and become better versions of themselves, and and by them becoming better versions of themselves, the world's going to become a better place as they affect the community. It makes sense. And uh, when a customer receives this booklet and it makes an impact on their lives, uh, they're going to they're going to tell their friends about it. They're going to you know buy again. They're going to to ultimately, hopefully, am I in my mind, become better people, which is what I'm looking for.
0: A second ago, you said that you can't do everything, which, you know, in a a growing company, once you you start to see your revenue increase and you need new new people, you got to focus on the area that that you can really make the biggest impact as a business owner. But then at at that moment, it becomes really important, obviously, to hire the right people. And you want to hire the right people the first time around, because if you don't get it right, it will just slow things down or it will will create problems in your entire process. What was your approach to hiring people in the early stages? Has it changed since then? And, and what were the learnings?
1: Oh, God, man, I could probably do a whole test on hiring. We What you said is is absolutely true. When... With our early days hiring process, um, it, was, it was trash. It was like we had all these problems and then we found someone whose resume we kind of liked. We brought them in. They could, they could uh, steam up a mirror. you know, <laughs> If we put a mirror in front of their mouth, it, it would fog up. So we knew they're were, they were confident and we brought them in. And we also knew they weren't great fits for their role and we kept them for a long period of time. So I think our whole hiring process and mentoring process and culture was terrible. I think it set our business back a good 18 months of growth. It became like, it was something that I just wish I could just hire and it would be the right person. They would do all the work, but that's the furthest thing from the truth to, to have a successful team. First of all, you need to have a good hiring process. And, and for us, that was, um, a process called top grading, which essentially is you tell candidates in every step of the process that you're going to be doing reference checks. And then at the end of the process, you do reference checks. And this kind of weeds out the 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 B, uh, the, the C players who aren't going to have positive reference checks and kind of leaves you with the, the B and A players. And then from there, you kind of get a feel for if it's a culture fit or, or if they have the skill sets that you need. So we did that. And then in addition to that, we took a much slower onboarding process. So now they have like two weeks where they shadow every uh, person within the company to get a better feel for the company. And then we have like a a six month uh, evaluation or let's say a three month evaluation followed by another three month evaluation. So a total of 180 days where they're kind of on a probationary period where they're getting settled and and they don't have to, to be perfect, but but we have to see that growth and that opportunity. And ever since we implemented that, we've really been able to to, to find a lot better fit, a lot better team members who who fit our culture and can, can be successful in our culture as well.
0: I would probably guess that someone would say, wow, 180 days, that's a long time to get someone up to speed and performing. But on the other hand, I would probably say that you save yourself some money, right? Because... If you hire people and you throw them into the pond immediately and and they they start working, they screw things up and you have to let them go again, you have to go out again and hire the next person and you apply the same approach, it will take you quite a few people to find the right one, right? So in, in that picture, 180 days doesn't necessarily or isn't necessarily a long period of time and actually just ensures that once the person really can hit the ground running, they know what to do. They can deliver. They they follow the processes that you guys have put in place. Would you Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, and, and I should be clear that if if someone is not a culture fit to our organization, like our core values are freedom, hunger, and trust, and if they're not falling in line with those core values, we're not going to wait 180 days to let them go. We mm. we'll we'll part ways immediately. So the the first 180 days. Are really to to make sure that that they are a culture fit, and it gives them that buffer of like if they're not performing in their job, like they're a culture fit, but you know maybe they have areas of improvement where you know they don't know our brand voice or you know they're still kind of learning our operational things. Like that's that's where the opportunities for them to grow and kind of be in that probational period. And then it's like once they're they're out of that that You know, really, they should be performing as a a full-time regular employee after 180 days. So um, it's just kind of a little more hands-on process to give them more feedback quicker so that they can make modifications to what they're doing and and areas that they need to focus on so that they can improve quicker during this first 90 days and 180 days.
0: So you you said culture a few times Um, in your response just now, how do you establish a culture, or how did you establish the culture at Beardbrand?
1: Yeah, this goes back to what I talked about earlier: how Lindsay and Jeremy and I—we all are aligned on our our philosophies in life. You know, like we believe people are good. You know, we believe that um, we should live lives that are of our own volition rather than the influence of others. So. And we're really driven. We want to do something remarkable. We don't we don't feel like we're just trying to sit back and, you know, sit on the beach. So that's where our core values came from of you know, trust. We believe that, that people are good. Hunger, you know, we're driven. We want to do something amazing. And then freedom, you know, we we wanna live the lives that we want to. And we also want our team to, to to live the lives that they want to. And we want everyone who chooses to work for Beard Brand. actually choose like they voluntarily walk through the doors because they love uh, what they're working on so because our philosophies were aligned we're able to essentially translate the owner's core values into the company's core values and utilize those as as really an extension of ourselves and and i think uh, in business especially in larger business that um you know, core values are really window dressing. You know, no one sticks by them. They're just kind of these words that are picked up or buzzwords. Or, you know, like Amazon, they got like fourteen of them, and no one's going to remember all of them. Whereas us, you can come in and ask any team member at Beard Brand what our core values are, what our mission is, and they're going to tell you, and they're they're not going to pause or hesitate uh, because it's just so ingrained in our culture. Eric, I think
0: that's some really great, interesting information you just shared with us, and. Um, but I think it's a great place to finish today's episode. If people want to find out more about you and beard brand, how can they find out about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, really the, the best thing that any of y'all are doing, a uh, guy or a girl, is go ahead and just treat yourself to some products at Beard Brand, buy something, and you'll see what the experience is like. You'll not only will you get amazing products for yourself, but you'll also see like how we send out orders, you'll see how uh, our email flows are, and you'll be able to to learn a lot from that process, of course, at beardbrand.com. And then I'm the only Eric Banholz around. So if you just Google me, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, hit me up on Twitter, I'd be happy to help answer any questions that you have or provide expertise. I love talking business. So uh, don't be afraid to, to just tweet at me.
0: Great. Thanks, everyone for listening. If you like the performance of the podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at symphonichq. When we come back in our next episode, what I really want to talk about is the marketing side of the business. As you mentioned earlier, you're really the guy that, that is responsible for marketing the company, marketing the product. So I'm really looking forward to talking about how did you start marketing a company, marketing the products with a bootstrap business, which basically means you have limited amount of of cash available to do exactly that. So thank you for joining me on the Performance Web podcast today and sharing your knowledge about how to grow a business organically. And I look forward to
1: talk to you again tomorrow. Yes, the pleasure is all mine. And I'm looking to continuing this conversation. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital,